Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. This is Tuesday, which means we're... Blake Murphy. Yeah. Nice work, Derek. Uh, producer Derek uh, has been hard at work um, updating the music to... Um, was there music on it before? I don't think there was. Yeah, it was like the Celtic music, the like oh, Braveheart right, 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 kind right. of stuff. Yeah. Right. This is actually more your your pace. Yeah. 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 You know it's, what song that was? It's good stuff. No, I couldn't place oh, okay. it. Okay. But... Oh. Yeah. Right, right. That's a right. generic song that uh, is not copyrighted. I got to okay. say, I'm... I'm very happy with the tweak to Blake Murphy Tuesdays and the drop. When he said, when he told me yesterday he'd have something special for me today, mm. I kind of thought it was like uh, something from a Portuguese bakery or something like that. Because oh, no, he's no. always in here with some kind of baking and uh, not, I don't not, know. I thought maybe it was, uh, this is good too though. Yeah, not for you. I mean, he he often brings us uh, treats. I don't, I don't know how it is. I mean, uh, he was my board like he was my tech guy for the whole summer when i did jstock plus did he bring in call dench uh tarts and things like this yeah i mean sometimes i'm a little picky with that stuff so fair enough um but you know he 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 also just will bring in a cookie just regular style wow Derek getting called out on air even though he made the extra effort why is it this isn't getting uh, called out i'm being very complimentary of uh what he brings to the locker room it's fine. He's not even paying attention. I know he's watching World Cup for, for eight hours a day right now these days. Anyway, he's nodding in the back. Okay, we're going to talk about basketball here. Um, are and, we? Oh, you know, as much as I would love to watch this France game, um, we are going to talk about the Toronto Raptors. And, look, this is an, another off day for them. Uh, some news come out of our practice. Actually, we're going to save that for Wednesday's discussion. Um, but for now, what I want to do here today was to sort of look at the quarterly stats for the Toronto Raptors. So they, they've, they've almost played a quarter of their games, probably more like a fifth, but, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, there's a big break in the in the schedule here, and I wanted to look at some of the early stat trends that I kind of want to continue to monitor going forward. So each of us have prepared 10 stats on the Toronto Raptors at the quarter mark, let's just say. 10. I did it. I got extra credit here. Oh, wow, okay. Your your parents would be so proud. if <laughs> well, I can write them down on a notebook, everything. This is... Uh... Yeah, I don't know. I just... I was working off my laptop and I wanted to okay. write All down right. a notebook. My This notebook's just full of random stats that I can't read when I go back and look at it after. Yeah, I, I, this is... This is it's I, great. I, you can't I copy. feel like you should show the camera. You can't eventually. copy off my page. It's fine. You can... Yeah. Yeah, it's just writing. Go. Okay. All right. Um, so, yeah, we got 10 sets each. Yeah. I don't know if they'll overlap or not, but obviously you brought extras. Um, so we'll just kind of go through them. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I can get us started because I think this is probably the most telling stat of the season to date. Um, the Raptors have played zero games this season with the fully healthy nine-man rotation. The nine-man being Fred, Pascal, Scotty, OG, Gary, Precious, Chris, Christian Coloco, and Otto Porter Jr. They have played zero games. This season with a fully healthy nine-man rotation. That's not to say they haven't had like eight of those guys available. They've had they've done that once or twice. But the point is, they've just been so banged up. Only two players in the Raptors have yet to miss a game this season. Knock on wood, and they're OJ Anobi and Christian Coloco. Um, yeah, I mean, I think at the quarter mark, this is the thing that you have to look at. Like the Raptors just 
they need to they need to get some semblance of health even to to fully evaluate the team. I agree completely. I think that you need to get fully healthy not only, you know, part of the reason you have depth is not just so you can go nine or 10 deep in a game. It's yeah. to withstand this kind of stuff and, you know, hang in at a game over 500 during it after a stretch like that. Uh, but yeah, you need to see what those groups look like. I mean, if you're Nick Nurse, you got to figure out what the bench rotation is going to look like because you've got a million power forwards who have all just had time because there's always a couple of them out. Yeah. Um, you also need to probably evaluate. I mean, if you think you're, going to be better than you have been so far the rest of the way. You probably need to evaluate exactly where your needs are ahead of February, uh -huh. which requires you to get a look at guys. Now, the counter to that that I would say is that I felt like a bit of a rube when we did these last year. I think we did the check-in every quarter or so mm -hmm. last yeah, year, yeah. and the stat I kept hammering was, I think by the end of the year, it was 301. It was the number of minutes the starting five had played together, right. and it just like, never grew like they just never got there and you look around the nba like the uh -huh. media site injury reports are like four pages long every day yeah it's yeah. uh it's a league-wide thing right now how many of those are non-covid illness it feels like non-covid yeah, yeah no i'm not sorry i'm not suggesting that they're hiding covid but there has been like a very rough bug going around yes um you know i i've I talked to some friends who have kids and it seems like uh some sort of respiratory illness that's going around schools and stuff like that. It's wiped out basically like Scotty Barnes didn't miss time with it, but he had it. Nick nurse clearly had it. I don't have that confirmed, but yeah. he had like no voice and looked exhausted for a couple of days. And By then the way, obviously enough, Fred, uh, Gary, Chris, now Delano. Yeah, I yeah, no, you're right. It's literally going around and it's going team to team too, because the Raptors just play the Hawks. Guess what? DeAndre Hunter day to day with a non COVID illness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is just how it goes, I guess. So also there are like, a dozen all-stars who are like week to week right now. Yeah. It's been, it's been a weird, like just start to the season. Like all the teams are very jumbled and. Oh dude, that was one of the stats I looked at. So sort of cut you off. 15, yeah, go ahead. 15 teams are within three games of 500 right now. Okay. All so right. half the league is yeah. basically 500. Yeah. The Raptors are one of those teams. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, those, that's my first stat. Blake, what's your first uh, number for the Raptors at the quarter mark? This isn't, the most important stat, but I'm going to put it first because Nick Nurse was asked about it today. Okay. Gary Trent Jr.'s deflections are down from 3.4 per game to 2.4 per game. Now, mm -hmm. your mileage might vary with deflections as a stat, but I do think with someone like Gary Trent and the role he plays in the defense, I think that's a pretty good indicator of your activity level. Nick Nurse was pretty critical of him at practice today. I'm mm -hmm. passing on a quote from Michael Grange. Disappointing. It's disappointing. I like to get him a lot more aggressive on defense this year. I would say that's been a little bit of negative uh, because he's capable of really getting after the ball and getting his hands on the ball a lot. That's what we want him to do. Now, this is the the most damning part of the quote i think he kind of fits us if he does that and if he doesn't he doesn't fit us hmm. so i dug a little deeper on gary trent jr stats so not only does nick nurse you know confirming that the team sees what we see yeah um his steals per game are obviously down with those deflections down slightly makes sense more concerning though to me is his assists are down too, which seems almost impossible. Oh, I got a stat for that later, by the way. Yeah. So yeah. he's in the second percentile for assist rate among combo guards, down from two assists a game to 1.4. I, I, I don't think you have to worry about the three-point percentage 
because it'll come around. Like there's too much sample of him not. But he has, you add all this stuff up, the assist being down, the three-point percentage up being there, the defense lighting. He has sunk lineups. Like you Mm. do the on-off stuff, and I can go deep into the numbers if anyone wants, but like you look at any combination of starters with and without Gary or key bench units with and without Gary, and he is sinking those lineups. So mm. that's the, okay. you know, I use the deflections as the jump off point there, but the bigger picture is Gary Trent has not fit nearly as well this year as he did last year. Wow. And last year, obviously, he had some of these shortcomings too, but he was doing enough other stuff. What do you think it is? I mean, Nick Nurse said part of it is he hasn't felt 100%. I kind of okay. think the, like, this was a, a touchy thing by the end of last year. I kind of think this defensive erosion started last year. Like, I right. thought he was much worse in the second half of the season than the first half of the season. Uh, the 76ers clearly agreed with their offensive game plan in that series. Uh, I just don't, like, I don't think he is a good enough defensive player that he can let anything slide. And this Raptors team is built to make up for gambles that he takes and built to take advantage of them. Um, And I think part of probably all the injuries is that there aren't as many of those good defenders and backline guys to make up for it when Gary Trent gambles and and doesn't come up with it. So Mm. it's kind of a cascading effect there. Yeah. um, I mean, it's so strange because I think he has the most like, specific role on the team potentially right like, like i don't think the the raptors specifically send gary out there to be the stopper at any given moment and i don't think they really ask him to do much on offense other than shoot the ball a lot so it does kind of skew his numbers but at, at the same time like you you can look at a couple of trends that have come up with with gary where you know for a while there i was tracking where how many shots does he does he shoot um per pass and at one point it was like one to one but it's very rare. Like, you know, most most players are like, they're probably making like three passes for every shot. Even guys who are the designated scorer, like Pascal, obviously his role is a little bit skewed, but still, like, even he was like a three to one or whatever, right? Like, even dedicated finishers like like Precious Achua were essentially passing the ball more often than we're shooting. Gary was close to one to one, which is a little strange. I think now it's like one and a half to one. So at least he's sort of trending in the more passing direction. But yeah, his, his numbers really do stand out. It's, it's a very strange. It's, it's a very strange fit. He um, also has the best cleaning the glass page because like his whole career, it's like the bright red good. He never turns the ball over yeah. right next to the bright blue because he never passes. <laughs> it's uh, I mean, look, the Raptors as a team are doing uh-huh. really well limiting turnovers. So that part's good, I guess. But yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. That's a good one. I like that. Um, uh, this is the second, by the way, Nick Nurse call out publicly. Mm hmm. Right, Precious Chu also got the call out. Um, Let's then, hope this one ends better for Gary Trent Jr. Yes, me too. Um, all right, next one's here. This this is my second stat. The Raptors are fourth in the NBA in highest share of their offense ending up in isolations at 9.5% of their offense is isolation. Uh, however, they are third last in efficiency at 0.74 points per play. When you really break it down, Pascal is good at 1.02 points per play for an isolation, which is quite good, honestly. You shoot about 50%. Scotty is mid, I would say, in that sense, like 0.77 points per play on isolation. He also runs at 20% of his offense, which I think is a little bit high for him. Um, some standouts, Fred is uh, at 0.47 points per play, and Precious Achua is at 0.27 points per isolation a lot of these are small um this is this is like you know small sample theater sure. but yeah the, the raptors run a lot of iso they don't score a lot of iso 
outside of Pasco? There are two reasons I can give you for the volume. Okay. One is that this isn't a very good half-court offense. They are 29th in half-court offense. And there's obviously being bad in isolation feeds into that. Okay. But part of the reason they have to run ISO sometimes is you get down to like five or six seconds on the clock and your offense hasn't produced something in the half-court. Right. And your best option is then, well, it's too late for the offense to create the offense. Someone's got to do it. The other thing is a big part of their transition strategy in both directions and part of kind of vision six, nine is when the Raptors rush back on defense, they don't care who's guarding who Yeah, because everyone's the same size and everyone's supposed to be able to play every position. When they run forward on offense, they feel the same way. Like ideally everyone can run to any of the five spots. And what that allows them to do is other teams aren't built that way. Yeah. And if Pascal Siakam runs in transition and it just so happens that Trey young is the first man back, they're going to go to Pascal and try to funnel that semi transition sure. offense to him. So there's a weird mix. If you dig into the ISO of like early clock, semi transition stuff where it's like, okay, identify a mismatch and attack mm-hmm. it because you, this offense has to work so hard to create those small advantages otherwise. Um, So I'm not saying this is a justification, but that's why the volume is high. And then late in the clock, I would imagine if we could filter for like last eight seconds of the shot clock, a lot of teams run a lot of isolation. The Raptors just have to, like the Raptors are bottom 10 and pace off of dead balls or off an opponent make or out of a timeout. Like they just don't run a swift offense except in transition. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Next one. So, OG and Anobi. Yeah. I know that there's been a ton of talk about his offense and he's taken us like, especially lately, he's looked pretty good. Yep. I want to talk about his defense. Okay. He leads the league in number of possession, isolation possessions defended. Okay. Guys are four for 16 with four turnovers when they ISO OG and Anobi. Hmm. Damn. On top of that, Obviously, he leads the league in steals per game. Yeah. He leads the league in loose balls recovered. Yeah. Based on estimated plus minus, which is my favorite of the publicly available catch-all stats, right, right, um, right. we've got prior years to kind of regress things to, so you're, you're getting a, a good sample. Um, that's over at dunksandthrees.com, and I've kind of read through and talked to the guy about what goes into it, and similar to PIPM before Jacob Goldstein got hired by the Wizards, mm-hmm. um, it seems to be the the sharpest of the publicly available OG Ananobi, number one in defensive impact in the entire NBA mm. right now. Wow. It's a little early in the year for some other defensive metrics. Like we could, you know, in a couple weeks, we'll have RAPM for the year. Um, you know, Raptor at, at 538 is basically useless over a 17-game sample. Um, and then we don't have some of the some of the stuff that like Krishna Narsu does over at B-Ball Index or wherever. That stuff's not out yet for the year. But I would guess that for the, I don't know, how sixth year for OG. So the sixth yep. year in a row, those stats show that he is the most positionally versatile defender in the league and the most role versatile defender in the league. Hmm. Um, and yeah, he's now the number one guy in terms of defensive impact. So all the eye test stuff, all the counting stat stuff, all the play type stuff. And now the advanced metrics, it's like universal right now that OG and has been the best defensive player in the league. Yeah. That's, that's super impressive because you know, no one scored on my ISO. Four for 16 with four turnovers. Yeah. No, I, and I think he probably, I mean, I, it's hard probably to look this up specifically. He's probably leads the league in just ripping a guy half court. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know? he leads the league in steals, and it feels like they're all pick sixes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like steals where, like, he's breaking up interior passes that often, to be honest, because he's probably on the wing most of the time. But, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, that, that really backs it up. And if I'm going to give you one more OG step, mm. 
Uh, OG Anobi is the Raptors. Okay, so first off, the Raptors are first in the NBA in, in clutch net rating, which is actually kind of strange. When they've you played very it. few clutch minutes, right? Yeah, they, so they've actually won a lot of their clutch minutes. Obviously, this okay. coming after the Atlanta game is probably not the best time to mention it. But, you know, ultimately, they, they, they're, you know, their net rating is very, very strong in the clutch. Um, they're, they're top 10 on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively. Uh, if you want to look at just, instead of net rating, and just look at raw plus minus this early in the season, they're second behind the Sacramento Kings, who... Uh, are lighting the beam. Maybe the, the Raptors should light the beam Kings as well. Kings of clutch. I, I, no, listen, the Kings of is super clutch. DeAndre uh, or uh, De'Aaron Fox, I think, has yeah. been one of, I don't know, man. I mean, I think Shea has probably been there and Luca has been mm-hmm. there and some other guys. But, I mean, you know, De'Aaron Fox has really been close to, to that stretch man, uh, for the, them. The Kings being, I can't remember where it was, but, like, one of my hot takes for the NBA season was, like, kind of think the Kings, like, could be maybe not good, but, like, yeah, worth watching. Yeah. And the Sabonis Fox pairing is just so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I don't know. They're fun. No, they're they're really they're really good offensively, and also Kevin Herter being like one of the best shooting guards in the league right now is. While is the really Hawks can't them. hit a three at all. Yeah, what? I don't understand the Hawks actually this season. I don't even know why they're good. They don't look good at all. Like, I'm not I, a when big... I saw that game against the Raptors on on Saturday. I'm like, the Hawks kind of look bad to me. Yeah, and I mean the last time when the Raptors played them semi healthy, Trey was like three for thirteen with ten turnovers. Right. And obviously Trey Young had a really good game on Saturday. But like if you're the Hawks, a uh, Raptors team without seven players, six of them rotation players, should not take you to the final possession of overtime. Yes, I agree. All right. My this is a this is a long way to say. So the Raptors are first in that rating. Um OJ Anobi has twenty nine points in the clutch. He is 10th in the NBA Come in clutch time, clutch time scoring. That's correct. This is, he's tied with Dame Lillard so in the, clutch time scoring right The now. volume is surprising, but this <laughs> yes, is a guy is. who hit the walk-off yeah. against the Celtics I don't shoot without blinking. Yeah. This is the guy who, in his rookie year, everyone remembers the LeBron full court, like, oh, okay. no, they botched the double basket. That's yeah. only a moment because OG hits a super clutch three at the other end to give the Raptors lead. Like it looked like he hit a game winning three in his first playoff or second playoff series at that point yeah, yeah. against LeBron James. Like this guy, there's no, there's no blink. No, that's, that's, that's OG. Yeah, no, he's, so he's actually been the Raptors clutches player, which actually, honestly, if you watch that Atlanta game, like he was, the, the Raptors were drawing a place for OG after timeouts. And he was able to get fouled and go to the free throw line both times. Yeah, that's the other. I mean, I don't have the stat in front of me. He's also the only Raptor who can get to the free throw line with Pascal. Yeah, which is is a little surprising. I'm surprised Scotty's not there. But anyway, look. Um, yeah, I mean, OG's been great. I, I don't know what to say. Like, that's you, it. He's man. been really good defensively, and he's been really clutch. I feel like uh, I feel like this is a segment made for Emma J. Brown. Anyway, <laughs> your, what's your what's your uh, what's your what's your? I guess this is your fourth stat. Is this your fourth stat now, or is it uh, No, this is my third main okay. one. I just gave you one on top of one of yours. Okay, go ahead. Um, so let's go. We we just did a positive about the defense. Let's do a negative about the defense. Let's do it. For the third time in the last four years, the Raptors lead the league in surrendering corner threes. Oh, okay. 13.1% of opponent possessions. Now, as you and I have explained a bunch and other people have written about and stuff over this the Nick Nurse era – there's a reason they're okay with that. And the bet is that 
the value of forcing turnovers, the value of making ball handlers uncomfortable, the value of being able to protect the rim without a traditional rim protector, all of that stuff is worth giving up corner threes if they can be a little later in the clock and you can use your length to close out and stuff. Um, There's not a lot of statistical evidence that you can control opponent three-point percentage, but this appears to be something the Raptors for years now have been willing to concede. The key to that is, A, you the turnover thing has to work. That part is no problem. They're first in the league enforcing yes. turnovers. They're the best transition offensive basketball. We can get into some of those stats. The transition stuff is ridiculous. Yeah. And they're top 10 in defense overall. Hmm. Some warning signs, though. They are not doing a very good job keeping teams away from the rim. Part of, yes. the, part of why you do this is that it allows you to not just get turnovers, but have a guy collapse to the paint, have help there aggressively, pinch at the elbow, anything you got to do to keep teams out of the paint because short of Christian Coloco, you don't have a traditional rim protector back there. The Raptors don't have a single guy blocking more than one shot a game other than Christian Coloco. So that is a concern. Um, they've done a good job of limiting opponent threes above the break. And I haven't, I didn't have enough time. You gave me this homework assignment pretty late notice. I didn't have quite enough time to dive into what that trade-off is. Like when they first started allowing all these corner threes, they were allowing a lot of threes, period. But they're now doing a better job cutting off the above the break threes, which is kind of counter to like the the early Giannis Bucks era teams their bet was, well, we'll let guys shoot above the break threes a little bit more because, like, you know, that that's the dimension of spacing you can't control as well as the corners. And, um, you know, the percentages are a little less there. So you're I got to dig in on that more. Too. Like, you're not pulling up in yeah. the corner. Yeah. So I got to dig in a little bit more on that. But I do think those are a couple warning signs there with the Raptors' uh, defense. Like, you can just look at their opponent effective field goal percentage or opponent true shooting percentage or whatever. Like, if a team can get a shot off, they're having pretty good success against yeah. the Raptors. Yeah, I mean, that's that's where the season has sort of defensively, I, I know the numbers look decent, but it, it does feel kind of all or nothing at a lot of times, right? They're, they are kind of giving up a lot of these Trick or corner treat. threes. They are obviously not contesting shots too well at the rim. Um, uh, to the point about the corner threes, I was, I was looking this up too. So the Raptors allow 5.7 uh, corner threes from the left corner per game and 5.8 from the right corner per game. So pretty balanced, right? Mm-hmm. They're one of three teams in the league right now that are allowing more than five shots from each corner per okay. game. Miami is at very close to the Raptors, about 11 and a half and per game. Okay, sti- for years, Miami has stylistically right. kind of mirrored the Raptors in being okay with that. And then you got OKC, which it's kind of another Vision Six Nine team, really low. Yeah, key, and they're right? like top twelve defensively right now. I think they're they're decent. Yeah. I mean, obviously the Raptors were not able to score on them, but that's uh, that's another story <laughs> altogether. However, when you compare it, so like you know Milwaukee, for example, which is a team that really does you know limit corner threes, as you mentioned, they only allow five point five corner threes total. Like literally from both corners combined, it's at five point five. The Raptors allow more corner threes from each corner than the Milwaukee Bucks do allow corner threes total. Right, so it, it really does feel like teams have a really specific targeted strategy of knowing how to move the ball, and knowing where the weaknesses are against the Raptors. I mean, obviously, this, anybody can look up the scouting report; it's a very simple one. But at the same time, it, it does feel a little bit concerning how much the Raptors are bleeding these. Even though I know this is like a long-term trend, that going back three or four years. Yeah, it's basically the Nick Nurse era, um, at least post Kawhi. So, mm-hmm. um, and I wonder how much of that is, you know, you go back. What did that? What did that Kawhi year look like? 
Well, you had JV and Marcus Hall. So you were maybe playing a little bit more drop defense than you are now. Yeah. What does Milwaukee do a ton of? Yeah, they, they play way drop. more drop yeah. defensive pick and roll, and they have the benefit of, and Siakam is this level of kind of help side free safety guy, but like Giannis is in, in one of those corners most of the time. Like Giannis is not out at the top of the floor guarding the other team's best player very often. No. Like unless it's a very important situation. And even then, like they, they never really made that move in the Raptors series to put him on Kawhi mm-hmm. uh, full time. So like that erases a corner. Yes, that's true. That so true. that's part of it too. And the Raptors could do that, but then that would mean, you know, Pascal Siakam kind of has to hold tight in that corner and can't switch or can't be as aggressive a help side defender, all that stuff. And like the Bucks figured out with Giannis, but they've also, this is why you run the same system for years because you get those benefits of continuity of how to figure that stuff out and layer the strategies on top of each other. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Um, okay, so you gave me your third. I kind of gave my fourth with that corner three one. So I'll go back to you. Yeah, let's keep it on corner threes, actually. This is just a, a mini one, if I can find where I wrote it. This is why you don't write your stuff down. This is why you... Uh, <laughs> Look at um, Yeah. I thought these so, days were gone in sports media. Nah. Um, they are really bad at shooting corner threes, in addition oh. to all of okay. the ones they give up. Um, they shoot the fifth highest volume of corner threes. So there's an interesting, like... There's an interesting dissonance there, right? Yeah, and like yeah. defensively, we're willing to give up corner threes, but offensively, we want corner threes. Like there's a little bit right. of conflict there. Uh, the Raptors top five in volume of corner threes, uh, 32% they're shooting on them. How? Oh, man. Because usually corner threes, to, you know, a good corner three percentage would be like north of the 40s. For an individual, yeah. As a team, you're probably hoping, like, over the course of a season, if you could land in the, like, 38 to 39 range. Okay, okay. That's, like, I'm sure teams beat that. But, like, yeah, you you shoot a couple percentage points better in the corners than you do above the break. And okay. um, usually because those are catch and shoots and those are open and those are players who are getting less defensive attention. Mm. 32%. That's tough. Part of it, I think, is, you know, like, the... Pascal element of it is interesting because he's a good corner three-point shooter, but you never want Pascal Siakam no, in the corner. No. And with Siakam out, who has taken on more offensive load? It's OG Ananobi, who is your, short of Gary Trent, probably your best corner three-point shooter. Right. And I don't include Fred in there because Fred pl- spends almost all his time above the break. Yeah. So a lot of those corner threes are being shot by non-shooters or Gary Trent, who is really struggling from three so far. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Interesting. That's not really, great though. So the Raptors are losing corner threes by a lot. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know what? That actually really does match up with the eye test of, of sort of how games sort of flow uh, involving the Toronto Raptors. Okay. One more each from us before we go to break. Um, this one I actually like. So the Raptors force opponents into shooting uh, the second most field goal attempts under four seconds. So the Raptors are the second best team in the NBA at forcing teams to go super deep in the shot clock. We're talking about within four to zero seconds left on the shot clock. Um, unfortunately, the Raptors are allowing the six highest effective field goal percentage in those mm-hmm. situations. A lot of that is from two as well. Uh, but what's interesting to me is this is probably an area where the Raptors are going to improve offensively because of the fact that um, the Raptors, or defensively, because of the fact that the Raptors were really good at both forcing a lot of attempts late into the clock and also limiting the percentage on those attempts late in the clock. This year, they're like 10 percentage points higher on those exact same shots. And those are the best shots to give up. If you're going to give up a shot in the defense, that's the shot to give up. Yeah, that's, I mean, I laid out some cases earlier why there could be negative regression with their defense. That's a great case for positive regression because Mm -hmm. every piece of data we have over as long as we've tracked this stuff in basketball is the later you get in the shot clock, 
the worse the offensive outcomes are. Right. So unless there's just a weird thing where the Raptors have been practicing with a 20 second shot clock and just forget to stop defending the last four seconds. I think that's something that's probably going to normalize a little bit, especially as they get their better defenders back healthy. Right. All right. Last one before we go break. Yeah. Last one from now until the rest of the, until the end of the season, Toronto Raptors have the easiest schedule in basketball by a couple of metrics. So, so far this season, they've played opponents with a five ten win percentage. That's going down to 496 the rest of the way. That's not what I mean when I say the easiest schedule. Here's what I mean. First of all, they've played 10 road to seven home so far, so they'll be a little more home heavy the second half. Yeah. They have played zero games so far this year with a rest advantage, so more days off huh. than their opponent heading into that game. The rest of the way, they have 13, which is the most in the league, wow. and they only play okay. six at a rest disadvantage, which is the second fewest in the league. So in terms of days off and are you better rested than your opponent or same level rested, nobody has a better rest-based schedule the rest of the way than Raptors. They also travel the fewest miles. Um, So if you're looking at, even though they haven't gotten their West Coast games out of the way yet, the total travel toll is the lowest. They also play the second fewest Hmm. back-to-backs the rest of the way. So if you're looking at, are the Raptors going to, and, and I bring this up because like one of the drawbacks of having so many injuries so far is like your record's probably, I don't know, two games worse than we maybe would have expected it to be at this point, yeah, given yeah. the the schedule and how everyone was playing when healthy and stuff like that. Um, there's going to be a little bit of pressure to make that up. Like right now, if the season ended, you'd be in the playing game. You'd love to avoid that and, and get out of there. Yeah. Um, the schedule is going to allow you more than other teams to kind of, foot on the gas down the stretch if you so choose you right. you have the time to rest guys and, and you know take advantage of other teams in their heavy parts of the schedule yeah i mean the upcoming game against um the nets is a classic example they come off a of back-to-back the raptors coming off of three days of rest yeah maybe three three and a half it feels it feels yeah. really long like three the, yeah um, okay, so and utah's banged up right that's tough yeah get well soon utah you know, I, I hear Raman has restorative properties. Anyway, we're oh. going to take a break. We're going to take a break. <laughs> I mean, your host, Willow. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sports and Radio Network. Have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Bet Rivers Sportsbook award winning customer service. It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook. Must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Swim Lou. Continue to be joined by Blake Murphy. Um, we are going through 10 stats each on the Toronto Raptors so far this season at the quarter mark. And I'll get us started. We've each given five in the first half of the show. We're going to go a little faster in the second half as well, obviously, just because we have a little less time. Uh, but the first one for me is I'm a, a little surprised that we didn't bring this up first and foremost because this is the number one reason why the Raptors are competitive. Um, the Toronto Raptors always win the possession battle, mm-hmm. almost always win the possession battle. There's some games that they don't, like the OKC game, and then they got destroyed in that game. Um, but anyway, the Raptors always win the possession battle. Um, they attempt 9.4 true shooting possessions, which means 
uh, obviously just shots uh, and also um, trips to the line. Trips to the line, right? So you know, you're they they get more cracks at it um, at a rate of nine point four plus nine point four, which means they have essentially like they're taking nine more shots than their opponent every single game. Uh, that's number one in the NBA. Number two in the NBA in terms of the differential, in terms of who's taking more shots than the opponent, is like Dallas at oh, I plus four. Guess OKC. Yeah, OKC is quite close too, but okay. Dallas is actually like plus point of you know four point five. So they're double the next closest team in the NBA in terms of winning that possession battle. Like this is this is the money ball approach we've seen from the Raptors last season, and it's carried over to this year at I would even argue a slightly higher rate, which is pretty amazing. Um, it is like their their forced turnover rate is incredible, and then they've shored up the rebounding a little bit, and they never turn the ball over anymore. Yes, they never turn the ball over. That's the thing. Pascal's gotten so much better at it. Fred's always been good at it. We and covered then, why Gary Trent doesn't turn the ball over. Yeah. The only guy who really turns the ball over for the Raptors with some sort of consistency is OG. And mm-hmm. a lot of those are dead ball turnovers, whether yeah. that's charges or travels, which, which are, is actually fine for conceding yes. transition. You're actually setting up your defense, which we saw in that Miami game, how it affected the Raptors offense, where I think 18 of the 23 turnovers they first forced were dead balls. So they didn't get any transition attack off right. of it. Still better to have the ball than not have the ball. Yeah, of course. Um, Follow up stat for you on that. They are on pace to be plus 738 huh? for the season. In that stat, <laughs> it would be the possible. It would be the third highest of all time. Oh. Number 1, the 1998 Rick Pitino Celtics who were bad. Oh, okay. But I think that was I mean, that's just a Pitino thing anyway, but there's also like the same level of admission of like look, we're just not going to score at your level. Right. We got to right. get more points. Okay. All right. Well, that's that. That's a little disheartening, I guess, to think about it that way. But I mean, also, it's just like that's yeah, yeah, one comp. Also, though, like, this is the this is the money ball approach, though. And I think that the Raptors. I mean, this is not like a new concept, but at the same time, I think the way they're going about it is very interesting to me. Um, for two seasons running now, and I'm curious to see if the rest of the league starts to sort of adapt to that. And by the way, it's to be clear, like some of the best teams in the league, like Milwaukee and Boston, are not actually very good at this. But that's also because they're very good at other things like forcing stops uh, and also scoring with decent efficiency, especially in the case of Boston. All right. Yeah. So I got one for you. One area of the defense that the Raptors haven't done a great job of, and it's almost a little surprising. Because it surprises me and doesn't surprise me, which is great analysis. Um, so it surprised me a little bit because you have to make smart and tough passes to find cutters. Mm-hmm. And the Raptors are very good at stealing those passes generally. But maybe because of the Raptors' aggression and the fact that their style often has guys out of position or recovering back, they're very bad at defending cutters. They're mm, also second last in scoring off cuts okay. in terms of efficiency. So there's just this weird thing where at both ends, the Raptors are really bad with cutters. I mean, I don't know what it means, but... Yeah, the, the only two times I can really think where the Raptors cut with any sort of efficiency that like is notable in terms of as a trend is Scotty's pretty good at if someone else is getting doubled and he's not on the ball, obviously mm-hmm. he's able to flash their open areas. We saw that when he was playing with Pascal. We even saw that at the end of that Heat game where OG was getting doubled and he flashed to the to the strong side, caught caught the pass for the outlet and then swung it opposite corner to Chris Boucher for the three, right? That's that. And then Thad Young yeah. picking out cutters. And Thad Young might be the only person on the team that throws passes. What was that game? He had cutters. like four in one game, didn't he? He did have four in that one game. I think it was against Detroit. Uh, three of those were for layups. Uh, and to be honest, the Pistons defense, I mean, come on. I mean, you know. Sure. And another one was to Wancho, like back-to-back plays. One time he got Wancho on a cut for the layup. Next time he fed Wancho 
the Pistons, uh, Bojan Bogdanovic is like, okay, guys, I'm 33 years old. I played the, I've played basketball for probably 20 years of my life. I know what's happening here. I'm going to come over. But then Wancho was like, all right, I'll just make the next pass to the corner. And then OG made a three. So, nice. um, yeah, you're, that's, that's, is, is that a little damning of the offense? I mean, I think so because, like, one of the ways we you brought up the stat of how often they isolate earlier, and like one of the ways to take the pressure off a guy when he's isoing is to have movement around him and efficient movement around him. And I mean, it's something that the Raptors haven't been the best with for a long time. Hmm. Um, You know, maybe that's personnel based. Maybe it's just you know, again, we mentioned the low turnovers. Maybe it's just too risky a play. They don't. They don't want to. Do it a ton. It's something, though, that I, I think they have enough smart players who pass well to get more out of that cutting offense. Defensively, yeah. I think it's just like you're scrambling around. You take a lot of gambles. Other offenses are like like in every room before you play the Raptors, it's probably like going to be a lot of opportunities to cut. Like mm-hmm. right. you, that's that's how you catch them. Yeah. I thought OKC did a great job of, of making those cuts and, and, and tormenting the Raptors. Although, honestly, OKC won every facet of that game. They should so. lean into that more trade shade of the Raptors. Right. Because, you know, you probably don't want Shea cutting on offense. And, uh, yeah, just keep going. <laughs> I don't know how to frame that. I just. Uh, no, uh, I, well, I don't. so good. Are, are we, are, I was going to say, are, are fans ready for f- at least, at least three years of pining for Shea? Because, you know what I mean? This is not a short-term thing. As we discussed, no. we did a whole episode on this, like, last week. And I was very clear that as even though that, you know, the Raptors have been interested in Shea for a long time, and I'm sure Shea would have some vested interest in playing at home in Toronto, um, you know, this is not going to happen for at least two to three years. And I think people are starting to cover this in the national media, too. It's just like, why would you trade one of the best players in the NBA, even if you are tanking? He's 24 years old. That? And, yeah. he, like, I no, honestly, I think I said this on... JD Bunkus's show last week, like the league would maybe have to step in because this is a small market team who got a superstar who signed an extension and then you turn around and trade him while he's still young. Like how could any small market team ever cry again that like, oh, we can't keep guys like it's okay. Okay. See, did it. And then trade them because they need to have 450 picks. Right, right, right. And exactly that's the thing, too. Like, what are you really going to offer them? Do they really More want the picks. Toronto Raptors' 20th pick in, in the 2028 draft? No. They probably have, like, the 19th and the and the 4th <laughs> and the 8th. You know, like, they have so many cracks at it. So, yeah. No, that's not going to happen. But uh, it, it's been great to see Shea playing that well for, from a Canadian basketball perspective. Um, Here's a stat. Zero Shea Gilders Alexander is on the Raptors. Big failure so uh, far this year. Honestly, yeah, he would fit this team so beautifully. It's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 uh, it's making me sad a little bit. Okay, my next stat here. Um, with Pascal Siakam on the floor this season, Scotty Barnes is shooting 53% overall and 47% from three. Uh, and by the way, that's 47% from three. Is, like, obviously, like we know he's not that consistent with a three-point shooter right now. That's all four attempts per game, right? Or, or per, per 36 um, with, with Pascal Siakam on the floor. So it's not an insignificant. It's not like he's making like, you know, one out of every two threes or whatever like that. He's actually doing a decent job with that. Anyway, when Pascal's off the floor, Scotty Barnes drops to 39% shooting overall and 29% shooting from three. So with Pascal, Scotty is 53 and 47. And without Pascal, Scotty's at 39 and 29. I think that's a big uh, defensive attention stat. Okay. When Pascal Siakam's not on the court, Scotty Barnes is getting a little bit more focus. Um, I, I'm sure there's also like a chemistry element of Pascal has learned over the last year how to get Scotty in his spots and stuff like that. And then there's probably some noise in there. But Pascal's had a pretty like 
he's been out a while now and he still has this like monster impact like 100th percentile on off impact on how often the team gets out in transition and 87th percentile on how well they score in the half court like they just yeah they can't do a lot without pascal and i think that affects everyone a little bit but scotty more so to your stat yeah you know it, it's it's been interesting because i i it's it's a little strange seeing the Raptors so heavily centered around one guy. Like I think the last time we kind of remember this was more Kyle. I would mm-hmm. say probably near the peak Kyle years, maybe even like sixteen, seventeen, maybe fifteen, sixteen. That stretch because I think one of the signatures of the Raptors is like even when the guys go down, they're still able to win, right? I think mm-hmm. the biggest case of that was the Kawhi season where you know um, twenty two games they go seventeen and five. Yeah, they're seventeen and five when when Kawhi was was doing load management and other minor injury sort of ailments and stuff like that. Like that was. The, the sign of the team and even the, the following season when they're defending the, the title they had plenty of injuries to major guys whether it was Kyle or Pascal or you know Fred was out for a while Mark was out for a while Sarge was out for a while like they were always successful no matter who was sort of on and off the floor this year kind of going back to sort of like the like star dependent model is a little strange to see as a Raptor fan you know and yeah and I don't know that I agree that it's all the way there yet I think you know certainly we see where Pascal Siakam is missed and like where that impact is, but I kind of view it more as like the Raptors don't have, like they don't have as much at the top. Like even like Kyle always had DeMar and, and you know, JV who was good statistically and stuff like that. Like you can get into that stuff. Um, basically, I don't know how I'm trying to round about my way to this, but digging into some of the on off and impact stuff, what starts to emerge, and again, this is stuff that these are stats that get regressed against last year too, so you have a bit more of a, like we're looking at a multi-year window here. It's kind of OG Fred and Pascal all as like a 1A, 1B, 1C in terms of impact. So all three of those guys are top 30 in EPM this year, estimated plus minus. Mm-hmm. All three are top 50 in Raptor, which is, again, not great this early in the year because they don't regress heavily enough. But even if you... We're lo- wanted to look at that. They're all top 50. Um, you can see when those three guys are on the court together and shocker, the team's three best players on the court together, the team's way better. Um, like they're plus 7.8 net rating when those three are on the court. And to go back to the earlier point about Gary Trent sinking lineups, if you take Gary Trent out of that, like they destroy teams. Hmm. It's... I don't know. Pascal's the most important player and the best player for sure. But there is like some statistical evidence that this is more of like a three headed impact group than just the one guy. Okay. But that also means you need all three. So if one goes down or two go down, as we saw for a little bit there, then things get really dicey. Yeah. I mean, all things considered, like being 500 in this stretch is not not horrible. It's fine. And they really should have won that Atlanta game. And like, whatever. you're three and four against teams who are above 500. So like, you still beat a couple good teams. Like the the Miami yeah. win. Um, that, is Miami good? No, I'm just kidding. Not maybe. Not really. They're good for the purposes of this conversation because we need to say they have good wins. Yeah, um, that's right. And then, yeah, like, I mean, they beat Cleveland. That's, okay. They got some wins. All right. All right. Yeah. Okay. Your next stat. Your seventh key stat yeah so we're running out of time so i just want to make sure i get this one in here okay all right i got some meme ones as well but go okay. ahead okay yeah. raptors down to five or four and three right now saban lee and jeff Doughton. these are their so they start in the backcourt together okay this is their combined stat line 43.3 points per game on 67 percent true shooting jesus 12.6 assists 3.4 steals three turnovers 
That's so 12.6 to three assist to turnover ratio, as many steals as turnovers, 43 points on 67% true shooting. What's the rest of the team doing? I ain't even losing any of these games. Up and down. The rest of the team is pretty up and down. Reggie Perry has his, I hit a game winning buzzer beater moments. And then his, I do the opposite of that moments. Um, Ron Harper Jr. is still, you know, very developmental. Um, He's had some good moments. Yeah. They also have had like no Raptors at all. Like Champagne hasn't played a minute. Coloco hasn't played a minute. Yeah, like it's Probably just expecting been, a little bit of Delano or Malachi. Yeah, and like even Doughton has missed two games because he's been yeah, up at the Raptors. True. So, um, but they're four and three still. Okay, so good for them. I just want to shout that out because I I don't think Saban Lee is going to be on that team very long. And and no. Jeff Doughton, I mean, we've already seen him get one cameo in uh, the Detroit game where they trusted him defensively. But yeah, pretty fun, pretty fun style of basketball down there with the nine oh five with your uh, your pal and mine, Coach Eric Curry. That's that's correct. I think he's more, more your pal than mine, but that's okay. I mean, I wrote a story about him. He did your show. Yeah. We're even. I, I, sure, I guess so. I mean, he's also a Liverpool supporter, which I think we connected on that front as I well. I didn't know that. Um, okay. So we're both at seven each, mm-hmm. and we have about like a minute each yeah, for the, the, the next fire. ones. Okay, so um, this is my last like somewhat meaningful one. Um, but uh, yeah, this is a very simple one for me. Malachi Flynn. His true shooting percentage at the moment is 64%. Okay, um, only Otto Porter and Ken Birch are somehow above him. Um, Otto, obviously, very selective with the shots I will have to <laughs> say so far. He's probably taken, like, probably 20 shots as a Raptor, uh, and they're all wide open. You um, could tell me Ken Birch is, like, 0 for 0 with two free throws on the season. I would believe you. Hey, man, listen. No, that 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 floater is going in at a uh, 73% rate right now. Um, no, it's not. But uh, that's just a fun stat if that, that was actually true. But anyway, Malachi Flynn, true shooting percentage, 64%. I mean, look, is there some case to be made that he deserves more minutes? I know we've talked about it, and you wanted to sort of give one guy a run here and just sort of pick a lane. That's Raptors still my take. Continue to refuse to do that because you still see Delano come in and all the other stuff. And and honestly, Delano's played well in his stretch too, so mm-hmm. there's nothing taken away from him. But um, yeah, 64%. And a lot of this is self-generated stuff. Yeah, like in terms of who passes the least after receiving a pass, obviously it's Gary number one by a mile. Second's, second's Malika. And maybe they finally hammered that into him because part of the part of the trials with developing him has been like trying to get him to be more aggressive. Okay. And uh so yeah, and then it's whether it's him or Delano as the backup guard, I I can see both arguments because Delano fits the bench's style more naturally as the like, hey, use our length, get out and transition, get easy buckets. Yeah. But But Mal- do you want to fit the strength or do you want to address the Exactly. Weakness? Malachi Flynn is the only guy who can shoot. The only and, guy who can even create his own shot yeah. in a half court. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's tough. I go back and forth. I actually think that like long term they could fit together in a bench unit. There just yeah. aren't enough spots sometimes. I actually thought they looked pretty decent playing two point guard lineups in some of these stretches here. Obviously, that's not going to happen when yeah. everyone's healthy, which is also never going to happen apparently. All right, one more. Another way you could help the bench when you get back to health. Gary Trent Jr. should probably go to the bench. Um, okay. I, I don't mean this to be like a pick on him thing, but the Raptors are 27. I mean, listen, if Nick wants to say it, then, yeah. then it's 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 open there. The Raptors are, but I also thought Gary Trent off the bench would make more sense like prior to the season as well. Sure, yeah, Like yeah, Just yeah, like true. you need that skill set in your second unit. He's kind of custom made for it. And now that the defense has slid, you know, the argument to, to keep him there is lesser. But uh, the Raptors 27th in net rating when all five starters are on the floor. Yikes. They've just straight up got to find a way to win the start of halves better whether that's a a lineup change or something strategic like you can't be you can't expect to be a playoff team and a top 10 team maybe and be bottom five at starting games 
the starting lineup is only good in crunch time. <laughs> it's it's weird. Which uh, that's, is like that's the only thing keeping their. If their, you their change their the starting afloat. lineup, there's no rule that you can't use it in crunch time. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, um, that's a good stat actually. Uh, I think I was looking at it. I've been looking at that one too, and I think the Raptors' starting group, their usual starting group, is minus eight on the season, which is not good. Um, okay, two more for me. Number one, uh, Thad Young is shooting. 23 of 30 from two-point range as a starting center this year. <gasps> for a guy who never dunks the ball, 23 of 30 around the basket is very, very impressive for Thad Young. He's been great as a starter. Here's uh, Who knew that Thad Young was actually a center this whole time? Yeah. All right. Here's my Thad Young stat. This will oh, be my okay. night. We both got a Thad stat. Uh, okay. When Thad is on the floor with three starters or more, and this is anyone who starts the game. It doesn't – it's sure. not like the regular starters. Uh, plus 3.7 net rating. When he is in any other situation, and that's only 43 minutes, but minus 17.7 net rating. So our our wow. earlier conversations about Thad Young is going to help your good players play better and not lift up a empty unit that's bearing out in small samples. And they're not going to start that, though, right? Are they? No, but like... Is there, is there maybe even a case? But like first guy off the bench? I mean, that's Chris. And like, yeah, but not minutes-wise. Just like play with those lineups and then okay. come back out and... I don't know. You're going to have to get creative if you want to keep like 10 or 11 guys in the rotation when oh. you're healthy, if you're ever healthy. Yeah, I mean, look, this is all small sample stuff. But I think for me, it's like when I watch that playing at, at, at center, I'm just like, damn, it's nice when your center makes layups because I, I think the other centers in the, on the Raptors have not done that. All right, my last stat, and this is my favorite one. Um, the Toronto Raptors are 9-1 and one on weekdays. Outside of Friday, right? Friday does not count as a weekday, as as, as Alice can sort okay. of attest to. Um, we we always treat that Friday as a very chill day. So the Raptors are nine and one on weekdays. They're zero and seven on weekends. Obviously, the weekend here I'm including Friday. Uh, the best day of the week for the Raptors are Wednesdays. They're five and zero on Wednesdays, and on Fridays they're zero and four. Damn. So the Raptors taking <laughs> the anti-work Raptors. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to shift to a four-day week. Like all right, uh, my last one, and we we touched around it a little bit, but. Um, in addition to being this lethal, like, all-time level transition offense, Raptors have also gotten extremely good at transition defense. Um, they limit turnovers, so the second-best team at keeping opponents out of transition, and then they're also the number one team at defending in transition on a per-possession basis. So there is no part of the transition game in either direction where the Raptors aren't elite, elite, elite. So they're really just trying to be the best transition team of all time. It's only 20% of the game, but if you win that 20% huge, you don't. you can just tie the other 80%, I don't know. Yeah, this is a weird team, and it continues to be weird, which is which is why it's fun to sort of look at these numbers. Anyway, we'll have Blake on, obviously, every Tuesday, but we'll do this again a couple months from now and a couple months from now and just continue to track some of these trends. But for now, that does it for us today. I've been your host, Will Lou, and you've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe, and please rate and review our show. Reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m., Thanks once again to Blake Murphy, our board producer, Derek Randale, and Frank for helping us with the YouTube stream. We'll be back tomorrow.